Are you a Christian? What we mean by Christian is someone who's trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins. Are you a Christian? If so, you are precious to God. You are like a sparkling diamond or a nugget of gold. That's what we read in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 17. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So every Christian already now is a sparkling diamond in the crown of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's examine then God's jewels. What can we say about them? Well, first, Christians are rare jewels. Only the very rich can own fabulous diamonds and jewels. You can't go across the road to Sainsbury's and buy diamonds and jewels. If you did, they'd look at you and think you're a bit strange. <laughs> no, you have to go up to central London to uh, Hatton Gardens, famous for its jewellers, famous for its uh, diamonds, the place where you see them roll up in their Rolls Royces and uh, with their no problem to buy diamonds, the rarest, the most costly diamonds can be bought there. And Christians too, like jewels, are rare. Jesus talks of life like a motorway. Change the metaphor picture a bit. You'll see where I'm going. And there's the Broadway, the motorway of life, that's where most people are. Heading, but they don't realise it, to destruction. But then there is the narrow road. It's, it's narrow. And there aren't many people on that road. Christians are rare in the sense of when you think of the whole population of the world. And think of all the population here in Belvedere. How many people will be in a place of worship today, not many. Christians like Jews are rare. There seems to be a few of them. There are many spread throughout the world. And all through this country there are churches where the Bible is preached, where Christians meet and delight to worship God. But next to the population of the world, they are few. They are rare, like Jews. But one day, says the Bible, the jewels that are rare will be seen to be a vast number of jewels. When we get to heaven as Christians, we will realise that God's people from all the world, all the nations, will actually be a great number. And you won't be able to count them up. 
the last book of the Bible, we've read the last book of the Old Testament, the last book of the Bible says this. It says that uh, John the Apostle saw a great multitude which no one could number from every nation standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that's the Lord Jesus, crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation comes from God. In heaven we won't be talking about what we have done and how good we were and the church we went to. We'll be talking about Jesus, the Lamb who died on the cross to save us from our sins. All of our praise will be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, let's imagine we've gone into one of those jurors in Hatton Square, and we show him a diamond. Puts a little thing in his eye, I'm not sure what you call it, and, and looks at it. Mm, turns it over. Mm. This is not a true diamond. It's a fake. Now you would look at that diamond, or I would, and think, oh, wonderful, it's sparkling, it's got to be real. But he looks at it and says, no, no, it's not genuine. It's a fake. And God looks at us, and he can see who are his true jewels, and who looks like a jewel but isn't commented this morning on the verses here where it talks about God dividing the whole human race into two groups, the righteous Christians and the wicked, those who live without God with no thought of God. And God looks at us. We may look like Christians, we may talk like Christians, we may do the things that Christians do, we come sometimes to a place of worship, we may appear to say prayers, we even read the Bible sometimes, but unless our hearts are changed from deep within, we are not Christians. We may look like Christians, but we're not. We may be like the, 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 the diamond that looks like a diamond, but it isn't a real diamond. So Christians are rare. You have to ask yourself, am I a real Christian? Has my life been changed by the mighty power of God? Am I talking about what God has done? Or am I talking about what I have done and what I think I've earned and what I deserve? Diamonds are rare. And so are Christians. But are you one of God's jewels? And God's jewels are also precious jewels. They are rare jewels, but they are precious. Unbelievers often despise God's people. We read of those who were saying harsh words against God. She used us to be a Christian. What do we get from it? We seem to suffer. And, and uh, uh, those same people will often uh, deride Christians and laugh at Christians. All this talk about the Bible and so on. Uh, and they uh, mock uh, Christians. And, uh, but, but God's jewels are very precious to him. If you've got diamonds, if you have jewels, they're precious to you, aren't they? And God says, you shall be mine, my jewels. You are special. You are precious to me. 
You are so much, uh, I, I love you so much. You are my precious jewels. And we may go, and we will go, as Christians, through trials, temptations, people opposing us, maybe even our own families. The Christian life is not an easy one. But God will not let the trials and the temptations and the hatred of unbelievers, he will not allow that to take us away from him. I read this morning from John 10, the Good Shepherd passage, and he says that I will not allow my sheep, a different picture, to be snatched out of my hand. You're secure and you're safe in my hands. And we read that, that God the Father has us in his hands too. So we are precious to God. And no one can take us away from God. No one can steal God's jewels. The jewels cannot be lost. Every particular Christian, individual Christian, is a sparkling diamond. Precious to God. And kept safe forever. Every Christian will be brought at last into his presence. Live forever with him. In the place the Bible calls heaven. So God's jewels. They are rare. They are precious. But God's jewels are purchased jewels. Now you have to go into the shop if you can afford it. Your old rice from Hatton Gardens. And buy the jewels. God has bought his jewels by the blood of Jesus. Now Jesus tells two interesting stories, parables in Matthew 13, about uh, a man who was digging in his field. And then he found some treasure. Digging in someone else's field. And then he found the treasure. And he sells everything to buy the field. So he's got the treasure. And people are like that. Some people who are not Christians. They're not actually looking to become Christians. Their life is busy with all kinds of things. And yet somehow they seem to stumble upon the treasure. Maybe a Christian at work or at school or college talks to them. And talks to them about the Lord Jesus. And says, why not come to my church and hear our pastor preach? Or they may say, well, perhaps you'd like to borrow this book. They're not actually looking for the treasure, but they find it. But then there's another man who's a merchant, and he is searching everywhere for the most precious uh, pearls. And then he discovers a pearl of great price, and he sells everything. To buy the pearl of great price. And some people are like that. They are looking for God. They're looking and asking, how can I become a Christian? Some of them reared in Christian families, regular attenders at chapel. And then they find the great pearl. And the person 
who was not looking for the treasure and the person who was looking for it, they, uh, in the parable, they sold everything. And, and the attitude of the Christian is, I must give everything. I, I must have this pearl of great price, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I must know him as my God and my saviour. And I will leave all of my sins and my lifestyle and my habits and attitudes. I will leave everything that I might have the Lord Jesus and that he might be my treasure, my pearl of great price. But we treasure Jesus, the pearl of great price, because he treasured us. And we were his jewels and to buy the jewels the Lord Jesus didn't uh, God didn't pay silver and gold says one of the apostles but, but Jesus gave his life on a cross he shed his blood his blood was the price tag of the pearls uh, of, of believers uh, and, and by the blood of Jesus he made us his jewels his treasure, his possessions. Have you realised that? Have you realised what it cost the Lord Jesus to, 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 to buy you, deliver you from all of your sins and to make you one of his precious jewels? Now I heard a preacher many years ago, some of the older ones may know him or knew him, George Gould, one of my predecessors, West Ham Tabernacle in Stratford, and I was pastor there. And I heard him preach. People used to say to me, he's such a good preacher. You're like him. You've got a powerful voice like George Gould. And I said, we must invite him back then for a church anniversary. And he took the view that the pearl of great price in the parables is the church. I'd never heard that before. I think it's rather a good idea as well. Christ is the pearl of great price, yes. But looking at it taken a different slant, a different angle, we may say that the church is the pearl of great price. The church is the pearl, the jewel for which God sent his son and Jesus died on our cross. Christ, the divine merchant, came from heaven, born as a baby on that first Christmas, lived a sinless life for 33 years. He was rejected and laughed at and mocked and scorned and at last nailed to a cross on what we call Good Friday, the first Good Friday. There he was, pouring out his blood and that blood was the price to purchase his people, the pearl of great price, so that he might become the pearl of great price to believers, to those who love him, to those who come to him and trust in him for the pardon of their sins. So, are you a Christian then? Do you trust in the Lord Jesus and him alone to forgive your sins? Have you come to him? Have you realised that my life is empty without God? Whatever I've achieved spiritually, it doesn't uh, amount to very much at all. I can't take anything of this life with me into heaven. What have I got at the end of it if I do not know the Lord? If I'm not one of his Jews, if he is not for me the pearl of great price, what will it happen? What will it all amount to when I come to leave this world? What will I have? 
will have understood what life is about, will have understood the need and the urgency of seeking the Saviour for myself. Oh, stop, think, am I really one of God's jewels? Am I trusting in him and him alone? Have I understood why the Lord Jesus Christ died? To wash me clean and all of those who become Christians and trust in him. Will you turn from your sins? All the treasures of this world are worthless compared to Jesus, the pearl of great price. All the pleasures of this world cannot bring you lasting satisfaction or happiness. It's often said that money can't buy you happiness. It can't. And it can't buy you satisfaction. That is found in Christ and Christ alone. Are you one of God's jewels? So, jewels are rare. So are Christians. Jewels are precious. So are Christians, precious to God. Jewels are purchased, not with money, but with the blood of Jesus Christ. But there's another point I would make, that jewels are prepared. Christians are prepared jewels. What do I mean? Well, look at the jeweler. He's got a diamond. And he's skillfully cutting the diamond to make it more attractive for a prospective buyer. Maybe he's taken this diamond and he wants to put it into an engagement ring. Isn't it wonderful when you get engaged? Or he may be cutting it to put it into a wedding ring. Even better when you get married. Great joy. So he's preparing it, skillfully. With all of his expertise, cutting the diamond to how he wants it to be and to fit it into some ring or some necklace. He's preparing it. And the divine jeweler, God himself, selects and shapes his jewels. He removes the defects and the flaws so that we might shine with the beauty of God's grace and God's glory. How does the divine Judah God cut us and shape us and prepare us? It would be very painful. Imagine the Jew had feelings. Oh, that hurt. And sometimes God's dealings with us, He's disciplined. Sometimes His dealing with us seems to be painful and it hurts. We lose someone we love. I speak from experience. That's very, very painful. But it's part of God shaping us and preparing us to spend an eternity with him. Life seems to be falling apart. Some disappointment, some frustration, some loss of a job, redundancy. Things are not going right at all. They're not going the way you planned. And if you're a Christian, you say, thank you, God, 
you are shaping me. You are preparing me. You are cutting away my sin. Cutting away my self-centeredness. Cutting away my selfishness. Weaning me away from this world and all of its empty attractions and pleasures. And preparing me to be placed in the cabinet of heaven. The Christian knows that life is not just haphazard. It's not just chance. It's not just good luck or bad luck. It is a wise jeweler, heavenly father, taking us in hand. taking us away from our sins to prepare us for heaven. So don't grumble against the Lord. Maybe you're going through a difficult time now and there's a temptation to think, does God really love me? Am I really precious to God? Does God really care about me? If so, why is he allowing this to happen? But the wise Christian says, oh God, I don't understand. Sometimes your ways can be very perplexing. They can be bewildering. Sometimes I can't grasp it at all. And it's painful. But oh God, give me the wisdom to accept that you know best. That your way is always perfect. That I'm the jewel in your hand and you are shaping me and you are moulding me so that for all eternity your glory will shine through me like the sun catching a diamond making it sparkle and glorious. Jewels are rare, so are Christians. Jewels are precious, so are Christians. Jewels are purchased, so are Christians, by that costly blood of Christ. Jewels are prepared to make them more beautiful. And God is preparing us, making us beautiful with his grace. There's one more thing. Christians are displayed jewels. Go into the home of a rich man, a multi-millionaire. And he says, look, come and see what I've got. Look, in this cabinet, here's a rare diamond. You won't see one <coughs> much like that anywhere. And you look at it, oh, wow, whatever did that cost you? Of course, you don't ask that question. <laughs> you just think it. And you look at it, and there he is, he's showing off. He wants you to see what a wonderful jewel he's got. And aren't we all a bit like that? If you've got something we treasure, text stamps, look, I've got a penny black. You'd, you'd be rich if you did. <laughs> look what I've got. And the rich woman, just imagine a rich woman. You don't get them in Belvedere, do you? <laughs> It's more affluent in Welling where I live. <laughs> but here's a rich woman. She's gone to some special function, a banquet. There's the Lord Mayor of London there and all the 
posh people talking in their posh, posh accents, not Cockney like me. And there, round her neck, is a necklace with a rare diamond. She doesn't wear it too often. But goes, wow, wow, look at that. All the men are looking at her, and the women. God's jewels, he puts them on display. Paul writes about this in a letter called the Ephesians. Christians in Turkey, chapter 3. He tells us that God displayed the unsearchable riches of Christ, the gospel, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he had realised in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, that's a mouthful, whatever's that about. Well, it's a very deep verse, I can't explain it all. But the general idea is that angels, the, the, what he calls there the um, uh, rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, the angels, they, they are amazed at what God has done and is doing in the life of Christians. But when he brings us into heaven, the angels will be even more amazed. Look at what God has done for sinners, people who deserve nothing but kill. Look what he has done in their lives, changing saints, uh, sinners into saints, turning that impure woman into a pure, chaste woman. Turning that man who'd once been in prison for burglary, uh, uh, so that now he's come out of prison, he wants to work hard. Turning that bad-tempered old boy into a gracious, kindly man. Turning that gossiping old woman, none of them here, of course, <laughs> into a woman who's gracious and kind and caring. God's grace. Think of a man, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace. He was a slave trader. He bought and sold slaves, took them across to America. And then on board a ship in the middle of a storm, he's tied to the, to the what do you call it, steering wheel, whatever it is. <laughs> and usually, he would be cursing and swearing. But this time he's praying, God, be merciful. This is a man who's blasphemed God. This is a man who has plotted murder. Here's a man who has sunk into depravity. Will God hear a man like him? God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Yes, God does hear him and saves him. And his whole life is changed. Eventually he gives up the slave trade and becomes a clergyman in the Church of England. And he wrote that wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Do you realise if you're not a Christian, you're a wretch in God's sight? You're spiritually blind? But God can change you. Like the diamond, God can change you so that you sparkle with his grace. And you're utterly amazed at what God has done for you. 
God displays his jewels. There's another verse in Ephesians. When God comes, and Jesus comes, and we, we are in that eternal kingdom, we read then, the Lord Jesus will present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. The picture there is another picture. It's that of the bride. She's walking down the front on our wedding day. Oh, there's a stain in my wedding dress. A horror of horrors. And the church is like that, believers. We've got the stain of sin. Even though God has saved us, there's still some of the stains of sin. But one day, he's going to wash us completely clean. No spot or wrinkle. No sin. Perfect at last, what we've always wanted to be. Sparkling with the grace of God. There's a verse in another book, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 10, where we read that Christ will be glorified in his saints and marveled at among all who believe. What does that mean? It means that when the Saviour comes, we will look at one another and be amazed at what God has done. It, one writer puts it, he says, marvel that among all who believe. One writer puts it like this. It will be a breathtaking wonder. We'll say, wow! Look what God has done. For me, for you. Look! I never expected to see that person in heaven, but they're there. And some we would expect to be there. Religious people, they're not there. I'm talking about things I don't understand. I've never been to heaven the Saviour's not yet come again. These are things no preacher can really preach on with understanding. We can just try to get hold of what some of these scriptures say and what they mean. But one day the Lord will come. The world is going to end. Jesus will come. There'll be a, a trumpet and the, the voice of the archangel and we'll see the Lord coming. And Christians who are alive will be caught up and those who have died will be raised in their graves and will have a wonderful new body and live on a wonderful new earth. A world of perfection and joy and happiness. We will be the jewels of God shining forever, for eternity with the brilliance and splendour of God himself. Some of you older ones remember the old grace hymns. You remember that? Mm. We used it when I was in East London. and First of all, when I went to Potton in Bedfordshire. And there's a hymn in that book that really should be in our Christian hymns. Why ever were the compilers of Christian hymns uh, forgetting this great hymn? What is it? Hallelujah! Who shall part Christ's own church from Christ's own heart sever from the saviour's side souls for whom the saviour died dash one precious jewel down from Emmanuel's blood bought 
crown. There are three verses to it, I've only just quoted one. It's a wonderful hymn, isn't it? Why isn't it in our book? Well, never mind. I had nothing to do with compiling the Christian hymns. So, God's jewels then are rare. They are precious. They are purchased. They are prepared. And they will be displayed for all of the angels, thousands upon thousands of them, and displayed for all of the thousands of God's people. All of heaven will praise God for his Jews, for his people. I ask the question again. Are you one of God's Jews? Are you a Christian? Maybe you're thinking, I'd like to be a Christian. What can I do? In a sense, there's nothing you can do. Christ has done it all by dying on the cross. But in another sense, there is something you can do. And that is to repent of your sins. That means to be deeply sorry for your sin. Not just in your head, yes, I'm a sinner. But feeling deep in your heart that you have offended a holy God. And if God does not save you from your sin, you'll be eternally lost. It is the feeling in your heart that Jesus has died for sinners. Why not for me? Why can't I come and trust him? And it is to say, I will trust him. Trust him with my soul. And he will receive me. There is not one person who can come to God through Jesus and be turned away. Not one. The Bernardo's homes were started in the East End of London. And for boys initially, and one day a boy came knocking at the door, let me in, let me in, Dr. Bernardo. I'm sorry, he said. We just haven't got room. We've got beds everywhere and boys everywhere. I can't take in another one. And then the next day someone came knocking on the door, Dr. Bernardo, Carrots, who you turned away yesterday, He's dead on the streets. Because you turned him away, mate. And Dr. Bernardo, after that, put a sign outside. No destitute boy ever refused. Somehow we'll find room. And God says, no sinner turned away. There's room for you. There's forgiveness for you. Come then to God. And he will make you into one of his Jews. And there will be a room for you in heaven forever. It's a wonderful passage, Malachi 3, isn't it? Go on and read the whole book. It's only four chapters. Let's come then to God in prayer. Let's pray. So our God, we thank you again this great Old Testament prophet of so long ago who wrote the message that you gave him and we thank you O God for this wonderful section here about believers in those wicked days talking one to another and encouraging one another 
and talking about you, the great God and Saviour. And we thank you that you say of Christians that, that uh, they shall be mine and they're my jewels and I will spare them as a man spares his son. We thank you, we're Christians, we will be with you forever and ever. Oh God, what a wonderful thing that will be to see you and be with you 